Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sean Patrick Vennon, and you're listening to Bit Faced, Get Faced. Good, we can stop talking about video games and talk about the, the campaign that you just ran us through, good sir. How's it going, guys? <clears throat> this is your sexy voice, Sean Patrick Fannin, back on BitFaced. <laughs> so uh, these guys, over, you know, uh, for those at home, uh, they let us set our tables up right next to the broadcasting thing because we we're all kind of buddying up anyway. And then they did me the kindness of playing a little while ago. I'm supposed to write again at four, but as you can probably tell, I am just out of gas. Yeah, we can tell. <laughs> Thanks for sitting back down because, yeah, Doug made a comment earlier that, man, such a trooper to power through that that uh, with us. Because we can tell you're not at a hun- you're not 100% percent uh, John Patrick fan today. Yeah. So. No, you guys saw what that was back up at Genghis Khan. But, uh, yeah, these guys were real kind. I only had two players signed up anyway, and... Uh, they both run games so the guy looks at me and he's like dude you you look like you could really use a break yeah. you don't have to run it's cool and I'm like so I gave him my card I said I'll hook him up with some free PDFs sweet and uh, if they get up to Denver you know I'll, uh, I'll put a game together for them awesome but I did want to come over and hang with my bit face homie yeah we just uh Posted a couple photos from our play session on our BitFaced Facebook page and linked your Patreon, so oh, people very, can very cool. people can check you out there. Well, folks, let me tell you something. They're not going to brag on themselves to the way they should, but these guys kicked ass. <laughs> I mean, they absolutely curb stumped my scenario. Uh, uh, Doug was playing our, our our commando leader Uber soldier uh, who came out with the code name Checkmate. Uh, Eric uh, rolled in there as our ninja named Blitz, because uh, that's what he did. He just blitzed through. And then there was our combat medic demolitions expert. Yeah. Uh, we went with... Uh, Kaboom. Kaboom. That's I am right. so impressed that you remembered our first names and our code names. <laughs> I, yeah. I wouldn't have. Yeah, I, well, you guys, you guys uh, brought your game, man. It was good times. So, we, uh, we got Chris over here sitting, sitting nearby and... He's been playing for a while. Uh, uh, he's one of my very best friends. Because uh, I'm not, I wouldn't be here at the show if it weren't for Chris. So he's he's been back. Awesome. Yeah, we were talking about how super thankful we were for um, for his expertise and for his character, kind of the saving ventriloquist. Our, the ventriloquist, oh, saving our asses with the puppet skill. I think the phrase "thank God for the ventriloquist" was something. <laughs> <laughs> puppeting one of the major bad guys so we had this classic scenario where it was basically a three-way battle because i i put like a couple of dozen miniatures on that table and i know these guys were freaking out there's only four of us what are we going to do here yeah but i had i had worked into the thing that because of how well you guys did during the plans and operations thing you created enough chaos to put venom the main bad guy group at odds with this russian mafia group so all he had to do is tweak things one way or the other, and boom, things were, things were going to go your way. That's, yeah. That was the result, among other things, of what you guys accomplished during the plans and operations. But what I'd really like to know is, uh, what did you guys think of that plans and operations gameplay? Oh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's so it's so different and kind of 
refreshing from um, what I know to be tabletop role-playing. Because, again, I've, I've played D&D uh, twice before today, and that's about well, it. This was your third role-playing game ever? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> we don't call her the Rekka for nothing. <laughs> Seriously, you you were born to this. You were really fantastic. Yeah. I mean, uh, these guys, I could take a leave, but you, I, wanna, <laughs> I want you at my table anytime I can get you. Awesome. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. Uh, no I offense taken. I don't, none, none, I don't actually all. say this lightly. Uh, I mean, I love to run for everybody. I run for people all over the world. No big, right? But when I say the phrase, you are welcome at my table anytime, that is because I would invite you into my home to sit down and play with me. And I would genuinely love to have you guys come visit anytime. I'll run a game for you. Or, or we'll have a drink. Or we'll do both. You know, and, and I'd love to hang out with you guys. Awesome. We are honored. Because, yeah, that was, that was the most fun I've had in a long time. Thank you. Thank God. Yeah, it was very you well just, done. You just kind of brought, hell, I could run a game now, and now I got juice again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, I need to go pass out. No, you still need to, uh, yeah, take it easy. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I wanted to hang. So, Doug, you, uh, how many how many games did you play before? Tabletop? Yeah. I haven't done anything like that since high school, 25 years. Dude, dude. You did have a little bit of analysis paralysis going on. Yes. Yeah. I think you had, you just felt the overwhelmingness of the of how many choices. But I appreciated that you were being so thoughtful about it, right? And I was like, I'm the leader. I need to evaluate this for the sake. I mean, you took that to heart, man. You got into the role play of it. I totally, totally uh, adore that. Uh, I hope you wouldn't feel like I was picking it too much. I was just trying to get you to see that there's a moment where you just say, fuck it, I'm John McClane. And yeah. I got to kill these, these German bastards who are taking over the building, right? You just got to get in there and start shooting. Which, by the way, headshot, boom, headshot, boom, headshot. Yeah. <laughs> that was almost Checkmate. his code name. Man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think you did a great job. Um, again, something we mentioned a little bit earlier, you did a great job pulling Doug kind of out of his comfort zone, um, which was, was really good to see. My, my success today was, uh, well, first of all, we do have to give more props to MVP Ventriloquist. Yeah, yeah Chris. seriously. <laughs> well, Chris, we're talking about you over here, calling you the MVP of the game. Yeah. I know you can't hear a thing I'm saying, but uh, they're saying you're the MVP of the game. Because they, they were like both as a player helping them through everything like that, and then both as your character. Because thank God for the ventriloquist. Well, I always appreciate being able to help people, but I'd say probably he was the MVP with how effective he was in all the different. Yeah, areas. see, you guys are gonna pass it around now. And <laughs> well, and Sean set me up for success because I was gonna go with uh, a tech specialist, and and he uh, suggested that the team have a a soldier. So I stupid GM tricks. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Despite the fact that, in classic terms, we always try to think of, you know, people who think of the, the gaming nerdery, there's always the joke about, well, it's the game master versus the players. Are. It's never been supposed to be about that. It really isn't. And from the very beginning of this hobby, uh, when Dave Wesley presented in 1967, mind you, uh, a miniatures war game that was predicated on what he had learned at the State Department and under Department of Defense development of non-zero-sum game theory as applied to diplomacy, you know, geopolitical and, and military strategy. And the idea being that you have a impartial, impassionate referee who is not interested in winning against you, uh, but is interested in presenting the scenario that you then strive cooperatively and competitively, you know, those, you know, doing classic war game theory. But the non-zero-sum part was the real key, right? it was possible for one person to achieve a certain level of success or a certain number of their goals without necessarily destroying the other. In fact, as under t- diplomatic premises, 
that's the most important part is that no one gets destroyed, right? Everyone gets something and gets some achievement. And he brought that to tabletop wargaming, and that's what evolved into Dungeons & Dragons. So, you know, there's a little history lesson for you, boys and girls, uh, the man who wrote the history of role-playing games. (laughs) I'm here all day. Um, Seriously, though, you get me started. I I wrote the book about this stuff, and I I went into some deep study on it. The, uh, The point, though, is much as a director of a play, you know, works with his cast to present something that others enjoy right and his greatest joy is the applause that his actors receive for their presentation right uh or a movie director or even a producer anybody who's involved in creating entertainment they facilitate the entertainment of others that's the game master's role that is the joy i get is facilitating your experience now I want it to be a challenge. So yeah, I'm going to spend those bennies and try to do some more damage to you, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring the pain a little bit. Yeah, we saw that. Uh, because yeah. it's so much more satisfying. If it isn't just a, well, I just win, yay, nothing, there's no challenge, right? It's when you sense that sense of danger, that sense of the possibility of failure. Um, people ask about gaming, I said, well, it's, it's cooperative storytelling, but there is drama in the dice. Right. Right. It's not just we tell a story, but nobody knows for sure what happens when those dice roll. And that creates the drama. That creates uh, that moment that nobody's for sure. And that's what the game, the game element makes that a much more enticing experience. And that's the funny thing is because I know you guys are computer games, but that's what makes the tabletop role-playing experience such a different animal. Because there's no, what was the computer programmed for, right? In MMOs, okay, so yeah, you, you, you've got your characters and somebody else got their character and you may be cooperating against an environment that's programmed to kill you. Or maybe you get into some PvP, but that's pretty much just electronic sports at that point. You know, right. You know, who's, who's, you know, capture the flag with, you know, bloody digital death. Um, the role-playing game experience is so unique in entertainment because of that. There's desire to tell a story. There's desire to share an experience, to have a sense of excitement, which, again, those dice provide. But it's not competitive. It is not, I, I'm striving against this other player who's out to kill me. It is, he is presenting these challenges and this cool opportunity for me to tell a cool story and have excitement afterwards. And he's making it challenging, but he's also part of the exchange. So that's why I, I you know, here I am since 1977. I'm still, this is my passion because there's no other entertainment venue like it. Why you guys just let me go and go and go there? Because it's fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the rules of podcasting. Yeah, you've got interesting stories to tell. Mm. How much of the the tactical part that we played today does that come from Savage Worlds? Is that okay? I I yeah, that's something that we weren't sure. The core rules, right? Those character sheets are Savage Worlds character sheets. I mean, they're not official. That's my design, but right. You know, you're, you're the, the five attributes, agility, smart, spirit, strength, vigor, that's, that's Savage Worlds, the, the skills, that's Savage Worlds. Uh, you can move a certain number of squares, you can take different actions, that's all Savage Worlds. That's all the core, that, that is the core game engine that was originally designed by Shane Lacey Hensley, uh, and then there's a whole bunch of other people if you look inside the book. Uh, I'm very honored to have my name in there as one of the contributors uh, to the, the, the current version. Um, the really interesting story about that, and you talk about me being a storyteller, <laughs> You told me to put the headphones on. This is on you. What's uh, <laughs> left of my What's left of my voice? I actually kind of digging how I sound. I think that's the reason why I'm, I'm up for this. I think we all are. Yeah. 
I'm really looking forward to hearing this when, you, when it gets played. Hey, Corinne, I love you, baby. <laughs> I just had to do that for her. Yep. Um, uh, so, Deadlands was a very popular uh, role-playing game that Shane put out quite a few years ago. 20 years ago. Uh, and it was a much more elaborate game, right? It used the die codes as a definitive, like, you know, you have a thing that's rated in terms of these dice, but the interaction between the dice was a little more uh, fiddly. And there's people, don't get me wrong, there's people who adore classic Deadlands, and they just did a 20th anniversary edition version of it that's, you know, hotcakes, and people love it. Or, like what you like. But it was a bit involved, and there's a lot more, you know, delving into what's going on with that. God, I talk with my hands in the radio, right? You can't. You just my, my fingers are just all over the place. And that didn't sound right at all. <laughs> I regret that completely. All right, so moving along. So Deadlands was a big deal. Uh, Weird West. That's I mean the genre itself. And he got that Brom cover, which is just amazing. Um, but it was the Weird West, so sort of some fantasy and some horror elements in the West. And then they did Hell on Earth, which was you know post-apocalyptic, but still kind of a westernish kind of thing. And then. Uh, then there's Deadlands Noir, which is the 1930s to the 50s, some crazy stuff going on. But anyway, Deadlands was originally the, the Weird West thing. Uh, they came up with a board game, or not really a board game, a miniatures game called Great Rail Wars. And the point with Great Rail Wars was to do a faster, st- streamlined, skirmish kind of miniatures game. But they wanted to, for people to be able to easily take their Deadlands characters and put them at the table to play the skirmish game. So I want to take my role-playing game character and put them in the miniatures game to fight, you know, the Great Rail Wars. So they started figuring out how to design the miniature game to boil down the essence of Deadlands into a faster play miniature skirmish thing. And if I recall correctly, it was Zeke Sparks. The story gets told different ways, but Zeke Sparks was part of Shane's group. I think Zeke was the first one who identified that, hey, this actually would kind of work pretty good as its own role-playing game approach. You know, I kind of like, I like the faster, easier way to approach the rules here, and they sort of experimented with that for a while. And really, that's where Savage Worlds came from, was they realized they had a really good, fast play, easy on the Game Master's life kind of thing. Uh, one awesome. Of the, one of the things that, J- that, that Shane wanted and uh, that you get out of Savage Worlds is a game that takes a lot, a lot less investment even as a game master, to set up and run a game. Right? The basics are boom, 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 right? I've got some basic bad guy stats. We could sit down. I mean, if I weren't completely out of gas right now, we could take your characters, and I could just grab some bad guy stats, and I could throw a scenario together so fast, and it would just run, boom, so fast. And that was one of the goals, was to make a game that was better for where we gamers are in our lives now, with kids and jobs and obligations and no time to spend hours trying to put together a dungeon or a module, you know. On, off I ran again. <laughs> no, that's that's brilliant because that's been, um, honestly, so my, my fiancé wanted to um, kind of join my um, this D&D group that I'm, a, that I'm a part of, but he's so busy. He travels to like two different cities every single week. And so that's a huge barrier for him is he just doesn't have the time to commit to kind of building out this really fleshed out character and just sitting down for, you know, literally eight hours and playing mm. this huge campaign. And, and so, um, did you say fiance? Yes. Your hearts are breaking all over Denver. I know. And I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, especially he's Captain America, so uh, sorry, oh. guys. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes. Were you guys at Fort Collins Comic Con? Yes. We're Cap for Kids. 
I that's where we've seen each other before. Okay, okay. We saw each other there. You were uh, uh, Richard Hatch. May he rest in peace. Yes, I yes. Was, I, was oh. about, I was hanging around. You know, you're bound to remember the fedora. Now. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that was yeah. that was sparking some memories. Oh okay, my there. God, these two were amazing. They yeah, were hanging out doing the. He's Captain. Oh, yeah. God. Well. So now that makes sense, right? Super jealous. <laughs> yeah. I am straight as a Kansas highway. And if you've been driving across Kansas, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. That boy is pretty. He is very beautiful. Uh, and he's a great guy, too. He, he is. really is. He is such a sweetheart. kind of hate him. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. So you heard about Richard. I, yes, we did. We yeah, um, broke my heart. Man. Yeah, we we were just absolutely distraught because not only were we hanging out with him at uh, Foco at, Coco. Yeah, that's what we call it, Foco <laughs> Coco, Fort Collins Comic Con at FC FC three. Um, but we also spent some time with him the weekend after at Dragon Con. Oh, nice! Um, so we got to hang out with him and Gigi both a yeah. little bit at Dragon Con, and so yeah, we Sterling and I both were just absolutely and he didn't devastated. Tell no, he, he didn't. didn't. Tell That's, we were shocked because you know talking to him, you never would have never would have even guessed. Okay, him. folks, Richard Hatch. For those who don't know, what we're talking about. Um, he played the original Apollo on the original Battlestar Galactica, and he was brilliant in that and amazing. He was like the space paladin. He was just awesome. And uh, then he played uh, Tom Zarek in the new mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, and he did a brilliant freaking job there. And uh, he's just kept Battlestar Galactica alive. But he's also just a great human being who supported other people's creative efforts. What breaks my heart is he and I have been friends for years. Um, uh, we ran into each other. He's also was very interested in, interested in gaming. He wanted to do more stuff related to gaming. He wanted me to work with him on some stuff. And we kept just like ships passing the night kind of stuff because he was busy with other stuff. But right. I had, the last time he'd seen me, I weighed like 420 pounds. And I was teasing my friends because we all were, I was actually a guest there doing the gaming thing. And I, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Richard, but I bet he doesn't recognize me. So I'm standing outside the entrance and he walks up. He's got a few people around him. So they're trying to get him in there and get him settled up. And I said, Richard, he turns around, he looks at me. He's like, oh, uh, hi, uh, I don't know who you are. And I said, yeah. Richard, it's Sean Patrick Fannin. I uh, used to weigh. He's like, oh my god! I didn't get to finish it at that moment because he looked at the hat. And he realized, and he grabs me by the arms. He's like, I got to get inside. You're coming with me. I hate to find out what you did. <laughs> and then we sat and talked for like an hour. And there's this room of uh, other people in the VIP space are just like listening, you know, to me talk about it. And he's like concerned. He's like, so was this not dangerous? He was so concerned about my health. Right. And here he was dying of cancer. Right. Oh my god! He, he was just such a great guy. Um. Sterling kind of calls him uh, his guardian angel because every time we've talked to him, he he's said exactly what Sterling needed to hear at exactly that moment. He was, uh, a, he was like a, he's a mentor, so wise, wise man. yes. So so Richard Hatch is definitely definitely our guardian angel. I'll be drinking some James Jamesons tonight. Uh, by the way, I got a bottle of Black Label back at the hotel. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, so guys, I'm sorry. We you know, now she and I derailed you completely. <laughs> But that's just so cool. I realize now that's that's, that's yeah. where we knew each other from. But uh, uh, yeah, you I, know look what? I look a little different without the wig and yeah. <laughs> but but the, you're still just drop dead. Oh, thank and, you. And here's the thing. Uh, I see and go to cons all the time. I see pretty women all the time. Whatever. Um, no, what's beautiful about you is your, your soul, your spirit, uh, your intellect, and your creativity. That makes you sexy as hell. Thank so you. For me, it's your sense of humor. <laughs> that too. Sitting over here blushing. That too. That too. Uh, uh, so I'm just going to say this. I'm going to hopefully commit you guys to a path. I was telling them earlier, listeners, uh, that I think uh, BitFace has got a lot going for it that is just beyond, well, we talk about console games. I think you guys are 
perfectly positioned just in terms of what you understand and what you know and the, and the people you have involved to really just cover geek nirvana across the spectrum. And so I want to encourage you to, to broaden out and, and start talking about all these other things because I moved to Denver in this region because this is geek nirvana. I escaped the South. I have... I'm sorry. Oh, I just us did. too. I lived us in too. Alabama the last time I was. We're there. both from Georgia, I, so we I, feel you. Raised in Georgia, I get it. Yeah. Right? And it went from quaint and kind of rustic and a little bit annoying when you look too much over to those particular rednecks. To what the hell happened to all of you? You've lost your damn minds. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. But when I tried to figure out where I was going, uh, wow, Denver, just the game stores and the geek-oriented activities and just everything about this place is amazing. And you guys, you're just a lot of fun. and You've got good heads on your shoulders. So I'm really hoping to see this show get more and more into the other aspects of, of geekdom. That's what we're hoping, too. Along those lines, uh, in addition to uh, the cons, where can we find activity like this where, you know, if, if we wanted to drop in on, uh, you know, not just Freedom Squadron, but any of these games of... How, how do we get tuned into those you kinds of schedules? You come to my house. You well, come Careful to what my you house. wish for. Rebecca and I both <laughs> no. live in Denver, so. Yeah, so we're Listen, pretty close. Seriously, Chris, I mean, Chris isn't on mic right now, but Chris can tell you, he hangs out all the time. Uh, our house is, is Geek Central, right? Awesome. I don't have a living room. I have a gaming pub. Awesome. Uh, and both gaming and pub, there's all kinds of cool glassware and booze everywhere. Um, and we have, uh, which by the way, you guys are invited. Uh, every Wednesday, we have Evil Beagle Movie Club start up a new thing uh, uh, where we, we watch a usually geek friendly movie but sometimes something else but every single Wednesday and I'll do a, like a Facebook go live uh, pre-show and then afterwards we'll do an after show uh, talking about the movie we just did Highlander uh, which my daughter my 17 year old daughter just saw for the first time and she loved it awesome uh, had a fun time talking about Clancy Brown and stuff like that so yeah so we'll do some discussion about it and just focus on, on cool geek movies so uh, just one of the many things we're doing so I'm, I'm only half kidding about coming to my house because my house is kind of becoming a place where people know to do geek stuff. Uh, I'm also the captain of the HMS Reliant, which is the Royal Manticore Navy uh, Denver chapter. Uh, 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 it's, a Royal, it's a Denver chapter of the Royal Manticore Navy, which is the Honor Harrington David Weber military science fiction series. Oh, okay. Uh, and Chris is the bosun of that ship, as a matter of fact. And my, my, my beloved Corinne is our chief steward. Uh, we have our own... This is a dog, darling, pet admiral. Uh, <laughs> Diane, uh, Diane Bulkley is uh, the second space lord. So if you know the series, that's a like, really high position within the organization. It's over 4,000 members, and we're an up-and-coming ship. So we use that to do other geek gathering stuff. So I kind of am your hookup into a lot of what's going on in, in, the, in, the, in the Denver area. We've got uh, Gamers Giving, which uh, we do charity events on a fairly recurrent basis. Uh, I say we. There's a board of directors. Uh, Corinne may be looking at getting involved in the board of directors. Cool. So, yeah, we definitely uh, need to be connected because my charity, Cup for Kids, we, we're yes. always looking for stuff yes. to do. Uh, I believe Gamers Giving would love to work with you guys. Yeah, that'd be and, great. And help you out because we, the last couple of charities we've done, uh, we've raised some significant five-digit figures. That would be fantastic because we, um, we just finished our sponsorship of... Um, of Ella Sylvester, if anyone's been watching the Cap for Kids Facebook page, she just turned 10 um, a couple months ago. She had a very aggressive form of cancer, basically, uh, yeah, 
basically, um, when they first discovered this, they gave her a less than 1% chance to live. Um, and so they had done just a little bit of um, radiation to see um, if they could ease some pressure on her spine because she had a tumor growing on her spine mm. and it responded really, really well. So they said, all right, let's 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 go for full treatment. Let's just see what happens. And she's not quite in remission yet, but she is well on the road there. Outstanding. So, so she, she is so kick-ass. She is the snarkiest little girl <laughs> I've ever met. So uh, she's awesome. So the, we're definitely looking to raise some more money. The, the last two things we did were for cancer patients. A okay. uh, little girl, uh, uh, Jacob Burgess's daughter, uh, Taylor, uh, the mighty T, uh, she's suffering, she's fighting leukemia, and we just did a thing. I actually, if you go back and look at my Facebook, you'll see a period of time where I was shaved bald and shaved, like, face and head, mm-hmm. and Corinne, too, for that matter, uh, because we put our hair on, and I put my, my uh, I looked like Myrtle the Turtle from uh, the old Merry Melodies. I was it was really bad, but I did it uh, uh, to, to raise the money. I mean, I got the $5,000 just for the, for the beard. Uh, then I did a giant 30-something person Shintar game over at Battle, no, not Battle Brew, uh, uh, Nighthawk, is it the Nighthawk Brewery? Where we did the big Shintar game? Brewery, I'm pretty sure that's where it was. Um, which is right down the street from Total Escape Games, which, by the way, that's another place you guys need to come and hang out. Total Escape Games is an awesome store. John Stevens and I are great friends. Uh, that's where we do Monday Night Savages, so every Monday night there's gaming going on there. Sweet. We usually have two games. So you guys need to come look at that at some time. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we have a rotating cast of game masters running stuff. I'm running Freedom Squadron then, uh, you know, off, you know, every other Monday, and there's like, superhero games and D and D, and just we we're constantly keeping new games going on. Awesome. <clears throat> but uh, uh, for the record, uh, the cancer thing is per- very personal for me because I am a cancer survivor myself. Okay. Uh, 1993 wow. uh, seminoma. Uh, I was primarily testicular uh, and I have a yet another funny story uh, it was a little dangerous at t- there was a there was a, a risk that it was in my, my lymph nodes and stuff so it was a scary time but right. uh, ultimately they did surgery to remove one of the boys uh, and when I went under uh, calling back to the thing I was talking about Evil Beagle Movie Club and the movie we just watched uh, the last thing I said before I went unconscious was, and remember, doctor, there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard him laughing his ass off as I fell asleep. So, yeah, I had some fun with that one. So I'm very fortunate. I, uh, I, I had a treatable form. We caught it early enough after I went through hellish radiation therapy. I'm fine. I'm decades clean now, but uh, I will fight that bastard everywhere I can. So anything we can do to help, I, 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 like I said, you guys are asking about you know, all the other ways to hook in, like Gamers Giving. I'm very t- tight with them. I'm tight with a lot of the game stores up there. I'm tight with all the conventions, of course. But just if you guys are like, hey, let's, let's, let's do an event, I'm your hookup. I can make, awesome. I can make fun things happen. Awesome, awesome. How hard will it be for us three to get in on a monthly game of Freedom Squadron? Because I can't wait to play again. I, you, 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 you sold no me today, idea. man. Yeah. I... I uh, I was really into it today and oh, really yeah. having a lot of fun. And now I think that I kind of know what I'm doing. It's going to get even better. So let's talk about setting something up uh, where we set up to record. Right? We That'd actually, be great. We actually idea. set the space and we record the live game. And uh, we'll, we'll team up on this and we'll make it something for you guys and your viewers. 
and at the same time, you know, help me promote my thing. So yeah, everybody's back gets back gets scratched, and and uh, we have fun. I know. I say really, the the most important part is it's a great excuse for us to justify that we're going to get together and game. Because I would really love to game with you guys again. I got a handful of people, uh, Chris being one of them, Corinne, and a couple others who'd love to be in on that. So yeah, we, we would love to have Chris back. Uh, so. <laughs> We need, uh, we need the ventriloquist. We need the ventriloquist, yeah. I don't need the ventriloquist. I don't need that crap at all, especially especially with how twisted he is with how he uses his powers. Good God. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that sounds great. Let's let's make that happen. Let's awesome. not uh, let's not just oh that would be nice. No, let's really make that. happen. Yeah, let's pick a date. Uh, what we'll do is uh, figure out sometime you guys can come in and make sure we get there early enough so you can scope the space and figure out the best way to set your gear up. Um, I do have I actually have cameras <clears throat> where uh, a very dear friend of mine in Northern California who misses me as her game master so she's been begging me to set up and run by remote for her and her crew in Northern California uh, uh, she bought like this two camera switch system which I still haven't completely figured out how to use <laughs> but she really wants me to set up and, and other people have been trying to get me to do vidcast and livecast games uh, apparently they think they're entertaining so <laughs> I'd like to set that up, and I'm kind of hoping I can employ you guys uh, and your wisdom and your knowledge of this stuff to help me pull that together and make some fun stuff happen. Absolutely. We'd love to do it. In fact, we're looking at a, at a new camera setup today, Becca and I are. So, cool. Yeah, we'd, uh, we would love to, we'd love to film it. And I'd help filming and recording aside, I just want to be involved in a Freedom Squadron campaign, man. I'm... I'm I'm stoked. Yeah. You. You're already Jones in a little I am. Bit. <laughs> I am I am Jones because the level of uh, pun intended freedom that we had to come up with our scenario and then for you to step in when we needed help was seamless and way different than what I'm used to in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. You let us tell the story and I think that's brilliant. I appreciate that. I wish I could take full credit for that idea, but there's not even I, I am standing on the shoulders of giants there, so Come the 21st century, you start seeing more and more uh, evolved thinking about gaming. So there's a lot of that player empowerment for the narrative kind of thing going on these days. Uh, Some of the keystone games that really bring that forward. uh, There's Apocalypse World Engine, uh, which I'm not personally at what it does and how much people really dig that it, it brings that forward for them. Fate, of course, is incredibly popular and famous for exactly that kind of thing, where you take a very, very loose, very broad strokes kind of game system that's much more focused on, well, what is the story you're going to tell about how you're doing this thing? So we've had a lot of great minds and a lot of great thinking bring us more and more into what we call story games and storytelling, you know, you know player-empowered narrative. And I've been fascinated by the concept but I still kind of like my, there's my specific abilities and this is, I've got bad guys and I've got a mission and I'm gonna go in and just move my figure and roll some dice. So I wanted to integrate some of these great ideas from these other game designs, but work still with this type of mechanic system that I'm more favorable to, a little old school, but not pure. And the, the, the best part for me is uh, Shane Hensley actually was at Genghis Khan, and he sat down and played one of the Freedom Squadron sessions there. And he told me after, he says, you pretty much put fate in my Savage Worlds, and it works. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, baby. <laughs> so I really appreciate that you, you saw that. Uh, the credit I will take is, is, is adding those elements on top of an existing game that's much more classic, you know, my character does a thing, well, roll some dice, and, you know, that kind of thing. So melding it into that yeah uh 
that's that's that was fun. It's it's interesting too because it was in the panel uh, earlier talking about game development. You know, just you know, people who do this for a living and stuff. And one of the guys was asking me, so, so, you know, how often do you just design your own system versus working with established games? I'm like, well, never versus all the time. <laughs> my, my specialty is working with established games and adding cool stuff to them. And I'm okay with that, all right? I love working with the brilliant designs of my colleagues and getting a chance to enhance them in some way. That's kind of what I do. I know and I, I drink things and I... I drink things and I know nothing. I don't know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to put it in the, the context of the video games that a lot of our listeners enjoy, uh, all great games are built on top of great game, game engines. You don't have to go out and reinvent a game engine to build a great game. You're kind of foolish if you do these days anymore. Right. right. There's so much material available. You know, it, it almost makes more sense to do it that way because you can add so much more to it if you're not thinking like, oh God, I have to build everything from the ground up. So it's definitely... You know, back to Sean's story time. Uh, you probably don't know this, but I worked in the computer game industry for quite some time. Off and on. Uh, wow. Uh, Mid-90s, I started. Uh, I actually was at Interplay. was my first major job. Uh, and this was back when they first started working on Fallout, the original Fallout. And they were going to use the GURPS game engine for it. And uh, there was, I, I was brought in to do writing on uh, Vulcan's Forge, which was the latest Star Trek adventure game they were going to publish. They actually already had voice work from all the actors then, too. It still breaks my heart how much... That, that, that voice work kind of went to waste because that game never actually came out. Yeah. I was going to ask. I don't remember that one. <laughs> uh, it was one of the last things that you had people like Jimmy Doohan and uh, 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 McCoy. Uh, God, DeForest Kelly. DeForest Kelly and people like that. You know, they were all on, on you know, soundtrack together. And, you know, and it just, <laughs> whatever. It's a long completely that's for another time um, interplay got they're gone now right yeah they got they get a, bought out or they there's a reason for that i can tell you <laughs> there's a number of reasons for that but i will say that i came in you, know, you rebecca you make that you make the, the very good case but when i came in there weren't a bunch of game engines so right. unfortunately game development was designing the engine and the game and the art and all of that at the same time and it was all such a crapshoot you know uh, it the, the the advent of segmented development where, okay, we're going to specialize in a game engine. And yeah, we'll do a game that exemplifies it. But really, I mean, the companies that decided us licensing this engine this is where our real money is. It's basically an operating system at that point, you know, and making it ubiquitous is where, you know, that and, and then it enhanced the renaissance, really of a lot of game development. So I'm not an expert, right? But I was there through a lot of that. So I guess, I guess it would say from, 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 from perspective of having been through the bad old days and seeing that now, Doug, you're, you're absolutely right. It, uh, uh, you're better off if you can put your talented people together to do the intellectual property development that then gets attached to an established good game engine and you didn't have to design it. You just get on with the, get on with the storytelling if you will. And we can attest to firsthand to the uh, the enjoyability of, of, of that yeah absolutely after, after playing through freedom squad today or right. squadron again guys thank you very very much so what are you guys doing for the rest of the day what's going on I'm just here now I'm hanging you're my new best friends <laughs> we, we <laughs> well, may we have uh, I, I don't know did we have anyone else lined up to you guys to should talk to, to Frank Menser if you haven't you should definitely line him up and sit, and sit down with him cool yeah if you want to get you guys 
Google Frank Mentor for crying out loud. Uh, now, yeah, everybody knows Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson, and, and there's no taking away their contributions. But the man who made D&D mainstream, the most popular and well-known iteration of Dungeons & Dragons, that's, that's Frank Mentor. Uh, you know, he was there during that time. He understood what needed to be done to rewrite that stuff and to segment it out in the right presentation. So he had a keen marketing eye as well as a great creative mind and a great design mind for it. And he's just a really cool guy, so I, I, I cannot recommend enough. If you get him, on, you, you, you want him on cam- or on, on microphone. Trust me on this. Yeah, definitely. As a matter of fact, when I get done here, I'll, uh, I'll go poke him and see if I can get him all over here for cool. you. Cool, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Sure, sure. It's what I do. Although, yeah. you said Gygax, you have to read Ready Player One and read it soon. Oh, have you not heavy. read Ready Player One? No, he not. hasn't. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. At this time, we are officially firing Eric. The show. <laughs> <laughs> I will fix him. Don't worry. I will fix him. But yeah, you, you, you have soon. four days. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, in, in all seriousness, you, if, if you are a reader at all, you, I'd be surprised if it took you more than a week because it, it's just such it's a page turner. Yeah. yeah. You get in there like, I cannot believe this the, this writer is you know one of us and knows us. Yes. He actually is too, by the way. He's a yeah. gamer and yeah, Ernest Klein, great guy. Got to meet him and talk to him a little bit, both about um, both about Ready Player One and about fanboys. Which up until I actually sat down with him, I didn't know he wrote the screenplay for. So that was really cool. Uh, he's a he's a cool guy. Yeah. My uh, my now ex roommate, uh, uh, an ex partner at Evil Beagle, but not for bad reasons, uh, Ross Watson. Uh, Ross, he's hoping you hear this. We already miss you, buddy. Uh, he got offered an incredible opportunity. He was my partner at Evil Beagle Games, developer on uh, the Rift stuff. Um, but he's very famous for a lot of work he did on the Warhammer 40K role-playing universe. Oh, cool. And he's off in Arizona pursuing a new amazing opportunity. Uh, so we wish him well. He just he just looked. But he, he knew already. He hung out. Oh, okay, cool. Time, so, yeah, he had, he had a lot of good things to say about him. Awesome. So through me, you kind of get your Kevin Bacon of, of Yeah, of I was about to say, I was like four <laughs> degrees of separation there. I can live with that. Uh, so yeah. I need to get in. So I'll tell you, I do a uh, gender-bent Marty McFly cosplay. I need a DeLorean to take photos with if you can get in touch with Ernie. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm sure we could. Well, I mean, uh, I'm, yeah. I'd be surprised if you couldn't get him to just do it. I mean, I think he's got... Two. I think he originally ended up with two DeLoreans, one for him and one for his brother. One for his brother, yeah. So either one of those. I travel all the time, so I can come to where he is. I just need pictures in a DeLorean. So you would make me feel a little weird about Marty at that point, because yeah. that's how that's how we met, and yeah, there was some oh, some feelings show me a there. Yes, yeah, I am. I'm gonna get to see a picture of this, folks. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, because you is I. I don't, there's nothing safe I can say here. I'm just <laughs> not even, no. No, I'm just going to nod and smile. Yeah, that's a nod and smile. Oh, here it is. Uh-oh. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I... You'll never watch that movie the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a little inappropriate here. Uh, I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. So yeah, that's the that's the phrase. one thing I've even got I've even got the Nikes, like I'm hundred percent except for the freaking DeLorean. So yeah, since you're yeah. my four degrees of separation. Oh, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you. You just keep an eye for when he's next to be in the Denver area, really. Yeah. because uh, I'm not sure where he is, but uh, anyway. Uh, so actually I'm gonna go ahead and sign off and cool. get okay. myself something to drink. Uh, not like that, unless they've got that down here. <laughs> I don't know. But um, uh, then uh, 
we'll uh we'll yeah let's get get frank get frank mentor over here Oh, for Mexican still, right? Yeah, yes. I was just going to ask. I hope we're still on for dinner because I'd like to pick your brain a little bit more. And um, I'd sure. take notes. I wasn't able to really jot down a lot of what you were talking about earlier. but uh, No worries, man. We're, we're definitely looking forward to that. So We have plans and machinations ahead of us. All right, I'll uh, cut out for now, but uh, I'll get Frank, and we'll talk to you guys a little bit more later. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sean. Sounds good.